you know, my mom was concerned about it. And she said, listen, if you're going to pursue this, like you have to make that choice now. You're either going to pursue this and know that you're going to have to get tougher or you're, you need to let him go. there and welcome to another episode of the all of life show i am your host Stuart white along with my beautiful lovely amazing wife alicia white babe we have had a lot of stuff going on lately haven't we yes we certainly have and we have more stuff coming in the future it seems we can update you guys on that very soon but we have had some big life changes happening and it seems like in the next month we will be making a pretty big change for our family so we will update you on that soon but until then we have something very special for you today yeah we have an interview we actually recorded this and uh, we have been sitting on it and we had this great plan to release this on valentine's day and then then we found out that ali beth stuckey did the same or at least a similar interview with these two wonderful people and to be honest we were just like we don't want to steal ali beth's thunder yeah so we said hey ali beth we'll do you solid here yeah. we won't trample on your interview so, so here you're we welcome are. you're welcome yeah. if you ever want to take us to dinner to pay us back we'd be happy to oblige yeah exactly um so anyway, on this episode, we interviewed Sam Say and Annie, Annie Pasma. Pasma. And Sam and Annie are engaged. Sam is known for his work. He has a blog, Slow to Write. And he speaks out about a lot of different issues in our culture and dealing with racism and different things like that. So we said, hey, let's talk to these two about their engagement. And so without further ado, here's our interview with Sam and Annie. Welcome to the show, Sam and Annie. Uh, you guys recently got engaged. Can you tell us a bit about that story? How long was it in the making? And how nervous were you when you pulled that ring out that night? Strangely, I was nervous at every step until I pulled out the ring. Um, I, yeah, I don't know what it was. I just saw her and I was like, I was just more excited um, and, and relieved because Annie and I, we hadn't seen each other at, at that time for two years which I don't know how we still did that. It was all God's grace and really just Annie's patience. So for those who may not know, I live in Canada. I live in Ontario, um, in, in Toronto. And Annie lives in Ohio uh, near Columbus. And it's not too far. It's a six, seven hours drive. It's an hour uh, plane ride. But uh, a number of travel issues uh, being worsened by the COVID policies um, in Canada uh, made it impossible for us to see each other until um, last August when finally I was able to see her for the first time in, again, a couple of years. And uh, I, I finally was able to do what I had been waiting to do for a long time. I had that ring with me for about a year, and it was pretty unbearable um, having that in, uh, like, this, uh, just seeing that every time I'd walk into my room, just seeing the ring. Um, and finally, I was able to place it uh, where it was supposed to be on uh, Annie's finger. Oh, there it is. Yeah, it looks great. So Annie, did you did you already suspect like, hey, this is going to be the night I, I just know it or or was it completely a surprise? Yeah. So I normally when I, I drove, I didn't I didn't fly because it made more sense for me to drive. I still had to still had to get special permission from the Canadian government 
Uh, I had to go through like three border patrol agents. It was a really, really like stressful thing that um, I had to go through. Uh, it was all worth it, obviously. He said, "Obviously, <laughs> I hope so." <laughs> yeah. uh, he said, "Let's meet at Niagara," and I thought, "Oh, that's so romantic." He's probably going to propose like at Niagara, like, you know, <laughs> so I get across the border. I see him and, you know, I'm crying. I'm kind of a mess. And but after I calmed down, I was like, all right, any second now, like, any second. And he's like, all right, you ready to go back to my house? And I was like, excuse me. <laughs> I drove a long way to get here. Like, you're not going to propose. I'm turning around and going home. Um, but I also was like, eh, he's way more romantic than I am. He probably has something planned and it was perfect. Like he proposed in the park where we had our first date and all of the friends that I have made there were, they were all there at the park and it was just a really, really, it was really beautiful. Yeah. I, we, so we heard about it, I think probably from Twitter, right? The engagement? Yeah. Well, I mean, last time Sam was on, I'm pretty sure he showed us the ring and he told told us of like his intentions. Um, And so we knew it was coming, but that was like how long ago? That was... That six, seven yeah. months ago, yeah, something like, like February that. February or something. Yeah. So yeah. I'm pretty sure that's how we found out too. Um, but I uh I loved the way that we found out about it. Not Stu found out first on Twitter, but then the article that you read, Sam, or that you wrote, Sam, um, it was it called was it called I Am Afraid? The the uh, ar- the article from before, the way you guys met, because that story yeah. hasn't been told yet, at least not to our listeners. So I'd love yeah. to hear a little bit about that article and how you guys met. Yeah, yeah. The article I wrote, uh, I guess, four years ago, yeah, was uh, titled I Am Afraid. And um, I was very nervous about that article. I had written against Black Lives Matter and things like that before, but I wasn't that nervous writing against uh, Black Lives Matter and critical race theory, but writing about my fears was terrifying to me. Um, I thought that I was going to um, scare a lot of people with my, I guess, my baggage. So the article was uh, about a number of my fears, um, mostly relating to um, being fatherless and my concerns about uh, life, just knowing my faults and my weaknesses and my insecurities, including my fear of marriage. So um, I wrote in the article that, yeah, I'm just afraid that, um, I might become like my father, um, and just become a, a, a very, you know, poor husband and an absentee father. Um, I've been really concerned about that. Um, so I wrote the article and I thought, okay, if I had any chance of, uh, pursuing a woman and winning her heart, uh, that ended with that article because I was, sharing just oh sharing a lot of information to scare women away so then i wrote the article and i think the next morning annie then uh replied uh at the time of course i I didn't know who she was i just saw this uh woman who had just uh commented saying that when she's afraid she reads and sings hymns and i love that because i do that too and there was something about um, her picture that really intrigued me. I couldn't see her face in the picture, and it really bothered me. I wanted to see her face. So then I became a creep on social media. <laughs> <laughs> I went on her Facebook page, and I, man, I 
I spent a good 30 minutes just, <laughs> just looking at every single photo imaginable. I, I learned, I learned too much actually. Um, <laughs> so I learned enough about her life. But anyway, so then I messaged her just saying, Hey, thank you for your comments. Um, and again, she was gorgeous. I, but I, I wasn't thinking of any relationship at all because she lived in Ohio. Um, I knew exactly where she was at. She was in, you know, near Columbus and, um, I had no intention of pursuing her. I just wanted to just thank her for a comment. But then when we started talking almost right away, I knew that, wait a minute, this lady is incredible. And, um, I would be a fool if I did not at least entertain, um, pursuing her, you know, and she herself, maybe she might say it herself, but she had also indicated that, um, you know, she has some interest as well. So. It was very natural. So, Annie, in all this time as you were getting to know him, did you, did you, how, how did you embrace the topics that he was covering? Were you ever worried about the things he was talking about, that he was going to become a target um, and that he was going to be, you know, attacked verbally or uh, and abused online? You know, that seems to be the, the norm these days and people are more comfortable doing that. But how, how did you, question. how did you handle that? Lots of prayer. Uh, you know, I didn't, when I first read his article and um, his transparency and his honesty, I thought, okay, if he's going to be honest about this, I'm sure he's going to be honest about other things. I had been curious about Black Lives Matter. Um, I'd had Black friends who kind of inadvertently would be like, you have no idea how it is to live as a black person. And so you just won't be able to understand. And I was struggling to understand. I wanted to understand. And so I was going through that kind of um, those issues. And I thought, well, if he's going to be so honest about this, what does he have to say about these other things? <clears throat> and that's when I read his articles on Black Lives Matter and different things. And we didn't agree, agree at first because I'd never had a black friend who talked about it the way that he did. And so we just started this conversation. He had to convince me of a few things. Um, but then when I saw that he stood for truth, I was like, well, this isn't going to go well in terms of the online world. But I thought, if you can't stand for truth, then what can you stand for? And I had to ask myself, like, okay, is it worth it? Is it is it worth it for me to be in this fight alongside him? And I got a lot of counsel from my parents, who are very wise, and, um, you know, told me, like, you are going to have to be tough. I'm a softie. I am very, very sensitive. And, you know, my mom was concerned about it. And she said, listen, if you're going to pursue that, like you have to make that choice now. You're either going to pursue this and know that you're going to have to get tougher or you're, you need to let him go and you need to make that decision right now. And so it was a lot of prayer and a lot of like, okay, well, I would rather be with somebody who stood for truth than somebody who didn't. So, yeah. So as being in a relationship now for as long as you have and so much of it being for you guys over the phone, over FaceTime, um, but then because of Sam's presence on Twitter and obviously you you can see all of that happening from afar, um, how are you handling that, especially with recent events that we're going to get to in this episode? But how are you, are you, do you read what's going on? Are you staying um, abreast to the situation? 
situations or are you just like, this is too much. I can't, I I can't handle this. (laughs) There are times I'm like, all right, I, you know, this is, I can't handle this. And I learned early on the ones that were particularly horrible. um, I would write down their handles and I pray for those people because they are living in sin and Mm. malice being hated and hating others and they need the love of Jesus and and even those who claim to be of the faith you know they again they're living in a in a strange world that has nothing to do with Christ and the gospel and they need to have repentant hearts and so i have made it a habit of of praying for those people um but there are times when I have to check out. There are times. There was this this one time in particular that that people came after me. Like they really, really came after me. And Sam had to say he like he saw it coming, and he's like, "Do not get on social media at all today. Do not get on social media." And I didn't. I mean, I still saw some of the messages that were you know that were sent to me that were really, really horrible. Um, but again, you just pray for those people. They need the love of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In that, um, that occasion that she's talking about, um, I had, um, one of my tweets had gone viral and a lot of the critical, like secular critical race, um, theory, you know, theorist leaders had, um, called me all the usual names and some of their followers then had just, which is on every angle on social media, Facebook, Instagram, especially Twitter, they were attacking me. And I started seeing that they were taking, they had found pictures of Annie and they were uh, insulting her and um, particularly insulting her, you know, for being white. And um, just, I, I could tell cause I'd gone on her page and that they were tagging her and attacking her. So I was like, yeah, you know what? Stay away from social media uh, for today. You know what? Annie, Annie is tougher than she lets on. She's very strong uh, because uh, not many people can endure that. Not seeing their fiance getting attacked the way they do, but then seeing herself being um, a victim of that too. And one more thing about Annie's incredible ability um, to respond in kindness and in love with people. There was uh, one time where um, and Annie has access to my account. So, um, you know, she received some of the, some of the, uh, angry emails or, you know, messages I get from people on social media. There was one time where someone had just gone on this long rant against me, just go- saying everything they possibly could about me. And then Annie simply responded by saying, Merry Christmas, <laughs> Merry Christmas to you. <laughs> and he said, well, Merry Christmas to you too, you know? <laughs> so, so just her, uh, her loving nature, uh, was able to probably keep that person from, um, being a lot worse than he could have been. Mm-hmm. I, um, I know Sue has a couple questions coming up, but I wanted to say this before we move on that um, I think it is no uh, secret or surprise to me why the Lord put you guys together, because I see the the boldness and strength that Sam has um, in the topics that he talks about. And like you said, Annie, him standing for truth. But um, something that I've realized in the last few years is just how Sometimes it takes even more strength to be silent in situations and, um, and you clearly have that kind of strength in you. So I see this, um, I see this like 
juxtaposition of the two of you and how perfectly you were made for each other, the strength and boldness of Sam and the strength and silence for you. But I know it's not just strength and silence for you too, Annie. I'm sure that is going to be making itself known in the coming years as well. Well, Like the fact that you said you would write down their handles, their names Mm -hmm. or whatever and pray for them. I, I doubt there are very many people, Christians, you know, specifically that would do that because you know, we are just as prone to responding in sin when we feel, Hey, that, that was wrong, you know? And, um, that's the thing I wrestle with all the time is thinking, how do I speak truth? But how do I also make sure that I'm not sinning in the way that I'm speaking the truth? You Mm -hmm. know, I'm not beating someone over the head with the truth. I'm coming at them in love. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. that's why scripture is so, it puts such a, such a big emphasis on speaking the truth in love. Mm -hmm. Um, now, Sam, you had, a recent, very recent interaction with somebody. Uh, and at first it was, you, you called them out and then you had, you, there was a follow-up to this, right? Could you tell us a bit about that? Yeah. Um, I, yeah, yesterday, um, I was on Facebook and I was tagged in a, um, a thread. Um, and I normally don't really look at those, um, they're usually uh, not good. Uh, <laughs> it's usually, I mean, I'm not afraid to read. I, I, I oftentimes do like reading what people are saying about me so I can learn and improve on how I can communicate. But I could just tell that was a very contentious issue. I didn't really want to spend time doing that. But I was just prompted to just take a look. Um, and when I looked at it, there was a man who was very angry about um what I was, you know, basically one of their friends had shared an article, um, from me and this friend of this friend is a white person and he ended up just attacking, um, the white friend and then attacking me claiming that I was simply scratching the, 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 the itching ears of white evangelicals, um, essentially claiming that I'm an uncle Tom and, uh, you know, those kind of racial slurs. So I, I come by that quite often. Um, I don't always want to highlight them, but once in a while I do so, so that people will realize, um, the racist nature of the supposed anti-racism, uh, movement. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So then I just took a screenshot. Well, I replied to him initially, um, using strong words, but, um, but hopefully I think in gentleness and in peace, hopefully. And I took a screenshot and I posted it, but I did not put, I did not share his name. And I mentioned that because of some comments that really made me think um, about wh- how that could have played a role um, in, in the outcome. So afterward, he saw my comments to his, uh, to his initial comments and he was justifying himself. He was defending himself. And I was like, no, uh, what you said is, you know, you, you were being racist there. You're being a hypocrite. Uh, you need to repent. And then he still defending himself. He said, you know what? Let me give you a call so I can explain myself to you. Normally, again, I was, I was very busy. Um, I didn't really want to do the phone call, but I thought, you know what? It's very rare for someone who's attacking you on social media to want to talk to you. So let me talk to him. I gave him my number. He called me right away. And again, in the beginning, he was defending himself. And I said, look, just, I read his words to him and I quoted, you know, I quoted uh, the word of God to him. And eventually he realized that what he said is indeed racist. So he made, he, he admitted that he was just very bitter. Um, he has embraced critical race theory. He believes that some white racists are using my words to defend themselves uh, or to justify themselves. When I asked him, does he have any evidence 
of these people that he claims are racist, like his friend. Does he have any evidence that they are racist? He said, no. I said, well, wait a minute. Um, there's evidence that you were being racist towards me. Um, but here you are hypocritically calling others who are not racist, <laughs> racist. Um, and then, um, uh, I just said to him, he still maintained that he didn't, although he admits that his words were racist, he maintained that his intentions weren't bad. And I'm like, I can't judge your intentions. Uh, I don't know your intention, uh, your intentions, but I can just judge your words and your words are sinful. I need to repent. Um, and by the grace of God, he did. He was repentant. Uh, he was sorrowful. Um, and then I, I want to make this point just to highlight the issue, I think, with, again, so many uh, critical race theorists. Still, he was trying to maintain that um, the person that he had accused of racism on on social media, um, uh, he he claimed that they, that they had bad intentions by sharing my articles. And I said, well, remember, I just told you that I don't know your intentions. That's not my job. My job is as a Christian is simply to call you out on what I know to be, uh, to be sin, your actions, not your motivations. I don't know. So I am hoping and I am, um, I am believing all things and hoping all things for you, but you're refusing to do that with others. I am saying to you that I'm forgiving you, but you are unwilling to assume the best of others. And again, he ended up repenting uh, over that as well, too. And we ended the, com the conversation very um, amicably with peace. He ended up publicly apologizing to the people in that thread that he was insulting and disparaging. And it was very encouraging. Um, afterward, people told me that they think that when I shared the screenshot, I did not share his name. Um, Annie has taught me over the years to be as kind as possible. Um, I was, though I say I'm slow to write, uh, I haven't always been slow to write. <laughs> and, uh, Annie has taught me how to be slow to write and always, uh, seek to, uh, love, uh, people who hate me. And I thought if I share his, 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 uh, his name on social media, people will go after him and they will want to really, uh, punish him for his words. And there are times where that might be necessary. But in this case, I thought, you know what, let me try to be gentle and, and, you know, kind and merciful with him. And I think, and people were saying this, I think that because he saw my, you know, that I did not mean bad for him, that I wanted to be gracious with him, I think that led him to repentance as well. You know, God's mm -hmm. kindness leads to repentance. And I think that's true for uh, we Christians too. That's an amazing story. I, I think too, because... Christians tend to, especially in America, we associate re religion with like one or the other political party and we get very heated in that. And then we tend to take our cues from the way people in those parties debate each other. And it tends to be very not gracious, <laughs> uh, very harsh. And so that's the way we we adopt when we approach people. So to hear that you you basically were firm, uh, but you continued to be kind and gracious and loving uh, but not not letting the sin off the hook, but but just calling him out and being like, hey, you don't have to stay there. You don't have to continue on uh, defending mm -hmm. your sin. So yeah. really what we're saying is good job, Annie, and being so influential <laughs> on on Sam there. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you know, um, a critical race theorist like that person might sin in a very particular way that offends me, but I sin in very particular ways as well that offends others. Uh, critical race theory is a sinful ideology. It is against uh, biblical theology. It, 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 it produces sin. But 
I'm a sinner as well. Um, I, I have sinned against people. I've sinned against Annie. I've sinned against many others. And, um, you know, where would I be uh, if it wasn't for um, people being gracious and merciful towards me? That's the thing with, with critical race theory and critical theory in, in general. There, there is no salvation. There is no hope. There's yeah. no grace. There's no gospel in it. So then yep. to hear Christians embracing it, and, and usually with good intention, because they think, well, I yep. don't want racism. I don't okay. want bad things happening. But they don't yep. realize going down this road is more law. It, all it yep. does is judge and condemn, and there's no getting out of it. So, I, I mean, I see that all the time, and I'm sure you do. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the things that I, I, um, I shared with, uh, with that person, I said that, look, um, here you are, the pe- the person that you believe is racist for sharing my, my articles, which is bizarre, but whatever. Um, you, you, you know, he's not sinned against you. He's not, he's not been racist towards you, but you still are so angry at him. You're so bitter against him. And I'm like, well, you've sinned against me. You've actually been racist against me and I'm forgiving you. Right. So, uh, I'm like, just, just, I hope then that my, by me being gracious towards you, not because I'm great, but that's because, um, Christ has forgiven me and he's been, uh, he's been merciful towards me. So then I'm like, well, remember that. Don't be like that person. I'm forgetting the name of the parable. Um, that person who, uh, was forgiven of, um, uh, a debt that he owed to the king, I believe. And then after he left, uh, he saw someone, who owed, who owed him money, but at a significantly, um, a lesser, uh, number. And he refused to forgive that person. So I'm like, well, remember, you are a white person who has sinned against me as a black person through racism. And I'm forgiving you. Well, don't rob that same, um, forgiveness to white people who've actually not sinned against you. Um, you know, unfortunately, critical race theory is, as you know, it, it cancels people. Um, it's seeking out to, um, destroy people. There is no mercy. There's no grace. There's no peace. And I wanted to encourage him that your ideology had led you to that bad path. And I'm hoping that you will see that in, um, in, you know, by me, hopefully exemplifying, um, biblical, um, Christianity and how we deal with these issues that you will learn from it. Yeah. I think it's interesting because you, you mentioned earlier, uh, the, the discussion you had with that guy was, well, my intention wasn't to do this, right? And that's how we tend to defend ourselves based on our intentions, but we, we come at other people based on their actions. Um, we, we need to have like a, an honest look at ourselves and be able to mm-hmm. say, yeah, but, but my actions did cause yeah. this. They did yeah. do this. Yeah. Um, and, and really be able to own our own sin and uh, confess and repent of that. Otherwise, we're just going to keep going in these circles and and end up with uh, a bigger problem. You know, absolutely. Uh, Sam or Annie, I'm not sure. I'm I'm sure you both are seeing this, but it seems like in the last year, maybe two, but especially the last year, there has been quite the divide amongst. Um, amongst believers. Uh, we may have touched on this the last episode. I can't remember, but pastors who, um, 
there the the line has been drawn between whether or not critical race theory is good or bad and that's not just in the secular versus the christian that is also in in the circle of believers uh there's also something i've noticed in the last few months though where i am finding out especially online um celebrities who are speaking out for truth that i have not known that they were even believers i have seen that actually um i don't know like the most sort of bizarre places and i and i think that a lot of it has to do with politics too um so you know because crt tends to be wrapped up in the political jargon as well as you know the theological side you know i i think that um when the whole vaccine passport thing became an issue or became a a topic of discussion uh, I really think that, um, like, the critical race theorists were very silent, and Sam can obviously speak more about this, but they were glaringly silent that, you know, it's like, okay, this is going to affect the Black community and the minority communities much more so than other people, like the white, the white community or whatever. Uh, and so I think that all of a sudden that was sort of like, okay, what, why isn't even ex Kendi speaking about this? You know, why isn't he really pointing out that this is a problem? And so, uh, and strangely enough, I barely know who Cardi B is, but she came out and said something about it. And I was like, is that who I think it is? I didn't, you know, I'm just not going to promote her in any way, shape or form. But I was like, what? It was kind of a like, huh? Moment for me. Um, and, but that's just one example of like, okay, since CRT is wrapped up in the political jargon, it's become much more noticeable when people are like, I don't agree with like the vaccine passports. Well, then you must not agree with CRT or, you know, it's all sort of wrapped up in the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I think um, desperation makes um, courageous people. Um, you can you can be afraid for a while. You can want to hide for a while. But when you realize that, wait a minute, your livelihood or your life is on the line, all of a sudden, you you become courageous. And I say that because I think a lot of celebrities are starting to realize that um, if they don't start speaking now, it'll become too late, where they've seen some of their friends being canceled. Um, we know that Hollywood is overwhelmingly leftist. Uh, we know that. But there's still probably a bigger number than we realize of uh, celebrities who are conservative or who are maybe Christian. And they're realizing, wait a minute, my friend who was not racist at all was just canceled because they said the wrong word, not a sinful word, not, not even a bad word, but just mm-hmm. a word that some associate with, with racism. Um, or because, um, I'm forgetting the exact story, but I'm forgetting his name. It's not the, the, the bachelor, uh, host where, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, where he was simply defending someone who was who was being accused of racism because they went to an uh what is it, an antebellum party when they were young. Yeah, yeah back, which, like, like way back in something. college. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is just insanity. But that's all he said. He simply said, "Hey, you know," he was even saying that you know she he was even saying that she was wrong in doing that. But let's just be gracious to her because it was so long yes. ago. Still, he's been canceled. 
you know? Mm-hmm. And I think when that happens, people say, wait a minute, if it can happen to him, it can happen to me. So if I, if I don't speak out now, I may not have a voice um, in, in a year or two from now. So I think that's a big reason why you're seeing that. The other reason is, and I've said this, the heroes um, on against critical race theory, yes, there's the Ben Shapiro's, the, the um, you know, the Christopher Rufo's or the James Lindsay's and a lot of great uh, men and women who are leading charge on this. But the real heroes are really just moms. Um, it's been incredibly encouraging seeing moms fighting against um, critical race theory or even the vaccine mandates and everything. Mm-hmm. And I think the average woman um, who so deeply cares about her children and being called a domestic terrorist and being called all these names and still being resolved to do right by her family and her neighbors, I think it is encouraging people with a bigger voice to say, wait a minute, if they can do that, why can't I do it as well? Yeah. I, I, that's a good point. I think there's something, we, who is it? Um, Mama Bear Apologetics. Mm-hmm. She makes this point very well and that mothers have such a huge role, such a huge influence in their kids' lives and not to diminish the role fathers have, but there's something unique and special. And I think it has to do partly with they've carried them, they've, they've birthed them, they, they, everything about their life is given to them. And to see people try to do stuff or convince them of things that are evil or bad for them or dangerous. Um, you know, any, any mom, and they, they don't even have to be a Christian. They, they can, they just go, that's not right. Something about this is, is evil. I can't even articulate all the details about it, which, you know, that, that's, that's something too. You mentioned like James Lindsay and other guys, amazing at articulating all of the finer points of the philosophy behind everything. And yet to the average person, they're, they're just like, yeah, that's great. I, I don't understand all that. But I do know that this is bad. You know, yeah, teaching yeah. my children that, that, that my five-year-old who's white is automatically racist and mm-hmm. responsible yeah. for slavery or something like that. That's evil. It <laughs> There's is so, my rant. Yeah, it's so polarizing, too. I When you said, like, uh, the moms that are fighting now, I have never gone and peacefully protested anything until the vaccine mandates. And I am in full support for people I know, wonderful friends and family who whom I love that wanted to get the vaccine, totally support it. Um, And then I peacefully protested because my best friend who is a nurse and another friend who is a nurse for 20 years at our local hospital, both lost their jobs. I knew several people had some. I was surprised, number one, to see the overwhelming support when we were out there for um, uh, for us being out there and the hundreds and hundreds of people showed up. I was surprised that the news only came at the very tail end and they reported that there were only um, there were like uh, mm-hmm. maybe less than 100 people there or something when there were multiple hundreds of people yeah. there. And then but another thing that I I was also surprised to see the incredible hate and negative of some people driving by the amount of times we got flipped off um, the amount of times that people just yelled out the window you're killing people or go get vaccinated things like that which uh, some a lot of us that were there were vaccinated we were just standing for the freedom to choose and then I was sitting there thinking the last time we had so many peacefully or quote unquote peaceful protests in our country um, was the Black Lives Matter uh, 
time, you know, like those were Black Lives Matter protests. And I just remember thinking, what would it have been if I had gone through in a Black Lives Matter protest and stuck my middle finger out the window and screamed at people that they were wrong? And like, why is it such a double standard? Why do you think that, especially with the vaccine passports and like, why has all of this turned so... um, political and not only political, but now moral. Now people hate each other because of yeah. these decisions and their, their differences in them. Why do you think that is? Ah, that's um, one of the things that people haven't real. I mean, we talk about critical race theory and it's no doubt a, ma- a major issue, but critical race theory is just one of the um, key movements within critical social justice or as a whole the social justice movement. And it's really important because although critical race theorists seem like they're really against the government, they're not. They are statist. All of this is to promote statism, that the government should be in control of all of our lives, that you as an individual do not have rights. So whether it is against white people saying that, well, we should discriminate against you to help black people, or to say that we should discriminate against uh, preborn babies to help women, or to discriminate against people who um, work in the oil industry to help, um, you know, what farting cows or whatever it is that the, uh, the, <laughs> the Green New Deal uh, was. But all of this is really to promote the idea that we do not have individual rights and that the government should be in complete control. So although Black Lives Matter, all those rights seem like they were radical against the government, they weren't. They were in support of a certain kind of government, that being statism. And I think that is why you have that disparity in reaction to a protest for liberty and then a protest for social justice. But altogether, it's really just all satanic, right? Satan is behind all of this stuff. Satan is the one that is, that is so in division in the church and outside the church. He is trying to destroy us all. And unfortunately, many people, since they are, um, his, his, uh, his children, um, do not see this clearly. Unfortunately, many Christians are also being deceived by Satan on all of this too. Yeah. It, it comes down to, I think, like that gospel lack. There's, there's a lack of truth because there's a lack of gospel. And, you know, we, you, you put it well, we're, we're living in that day and age right now of good is evil, evil is good. And when you flip everything around like that, it, it's difficult to even know what the terms mean anymore. Like yeah. most people, I think, I don't want to say most people are good because that's not it. It's that they, they tend to want to avoid um, conflict or pain or, or shame. Yep. And so they're going to pick the thing that they think is like, okay, well, what's the right thing to do? It's like your first day of school. You, you don't want to stick out like a sore thumb. You kind of want to blend in. And I think they just end up embracing things because they're like, well, everybody's saying it's true. And, you know, if you watch the news, if you watch, you know, anything on YouTube or whatever, you're going to be bombarded with an overwhelming amount of information. And it's mostly going to be pushing us a, a particular position or a particular narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have the loudest speaker, the loudest, you know, bullhorn out there. So it takes, it, it, it really does seem to take like 10 Sam says to, to every one person out there who all they have to do is, is give a speech and it just, boom, it gets blasted out to everybody. Um, so 
how have you guys embraced, not embraced, what's the word I'm looking for, babe? You, how have you, you, you mentioned earlier that there are people who have come against you because Annie's white, Sam's black. Okay. People are, are, are coming at you with that. Uh, have you faced a lot of persecution in that regard? Um, so really, I think that a lot of it came from, uh, like personal relationships, surprisingly. Um, I think that when we're attacked online for, um, being, being black and white, uh, it's mainly toward Sam and not so much towards me. Um, you know, I, I would also have to say that I had to deal with my own preconceived notions I suppose, um, you know, I, I, it really came one day when Sam said, okay, we need to have a serious discussion about this. Um, your children are not going to look like you and our children are going to have to face some things that if you were to date or marry a white man, they would not have to face. And so that took me, like, it took me some time to, like, think about that and come to terms with that. Um, and early, in the early days, too, you know, I had, I talked about some Black friends of mine who had made me feel that I just would never understand them and that I would never um be able to relate to them in a way that they thought I should be able to relate to them. And so in the early days, I kept thinking like that shoe's going to drop. He's going to, he's going to pull that on me at some point. Uh, and so it just took time for that to, for me to realize like that's not going to happen. Um, and when my parents met him, you know, one of the first things that my mom told people was that he never made me feel bad about being white. <laughs> And um, so for for me, again, uh, I think the biggest issue that I had to deal with was myself and some preconceived <sighs> notions. I mean, you, you go into it thinking like, oh, yeah, this is great. Um, kind of extra points for me because he's black. Right. Uh, I'm not going to lie. There were a couple of times where that happened uh, because you deal with the flesh. Um but yeah, I, I honestly think I'm being honest, like I had to deal with myself. I had to deal with, with a lot of my own issues mm -hmm. um, and just a few personal friends. Yes. Well, um, you know, Annie mentioned uh, that conversation we had about how her children won't look like her. Well, uh, I don't know if she remembers this, but the reason why I mentioned that was because I was dealing with that myself. Um I was dealing because so you know to the question. Um, I've received significantly more pushback from my friends or former friends um, or black people than Annie has um, over our relationship. No doubt about it. Um, I remember even the very first date we had. Annie didn't. Annie didn't reckon. Annie didn't see this, but I saw it overwhelmingly. The people that were looking at us were holding hands. People who were looking at us and um acting you know strangely were overwhelmingly black and that didn't really bother me um but what was really bothering me was realizing <laughs> i make a joke out of this is that <laughs> when i first touched annie's hair i was like wait a minute this is not <laughs> this is weird her hair is not like mine it's not like a, it's not a black woman's hair I could, I could feel her scalp and I'm like, this is not, this is, this is, this is really, you have to dig in real deep to touch my, to, to feel my, uh, my scalp. 
So I was like, what is this? And then just looking at her, I'm realizing that, man, like her skin is different. Now, I love Annie's skin. She has freckles and I love the freckles. I love her hair. I love her eyes. I love everything about her. But it was, it was, it was just new to me. And then I realized, man, my kids won't look like me. They won't. They will not look like her either. They will, um, they will look different from both of us. So I had to deal with that. I had to think about to myself, like, man, um, how do I think through that? And you know, then it was testing my theology. It was t testing my beliefs because I had to say to myself, you know, Annie and I are not an interracial couple. We are not. Our kids won't be mixed race. There won't be. Um, there is no such thing as race. I believe that. Annie and I look differently, but we are not an interracial couple. We are members of the same race. And more than that, we are members of the holy race, the chosen and royal priesthood. And um, that trumps everything. And Lord willing, our kids will be the same race we are. They'll be in Adam. Um, and I had to remember these things because I realized that, man, you know, um, it'll, it'll be different. Um, I, you know, for similar reasons, as I had, I had said uh, in my article, I, I, in many ways, want to undo what my, my father uh, did. And I wanted to be able to say, you know what, I want to love a black woman, unlike my, unlike my, uh, unlike my father. But then I realized how stupid that is and how my father is, um, is affecting how I think about certain things. Um, and that I just want to love my wife like Christ loves the church. Uh, that's really all that matters. So, um, yeah, we received a lot of pushback and, and you know, that talk too, uh, when I, when I first met Annie's parents and her mom, uh, Annie told me that her mom mentioned that. That was devastating to me for me to hear. It was really hard when her family, when her mom said um, that I never, I never made them feel bad about being white, because like, what a state, uh, you know, where, look at where we are in our culture, where it wasn't me who was afraid. I had zero fear. I had no concern whatsoever. I even forgot about it. I forgot I was black. Um, I forgot that uh, we look different, but they didn't. Because they know that right now we live in a culture where things are turned upside down from what they were 100 years ago, where it's now white people um, who are being um, victims of racism for the most part. Annie, I love what you said when um, we asked you that question. And it shows so much wisdom on your part. But to say that you first had to deal with your own stuff going on on the inside. I loved your honesty because it's not like the things that you are thinking about. No one has ever thought about. Um, I, when you said like, we all need to, or you, when you said I needed to deal with me individually and my own stuff, it just like put a pretty little bow around the mess of what's going on in the world today, because it's not about what we can collectively do to stand up for or against one party or another, whether it is the vaccine mandates or Black Lives Matter or abortion, the lines are getting drawn. It, it, it all starts in our individual hearts. It all starts with our worldview. It starts with who we worship, how we believe we were created, or if we were created. <laughs> um, and then each one of us taking a, a look individually and saying, um, like you were saying, Sam, the gentleman that you had the conversation with, um, 
Like we may not intend to hurt one another, but we are going to do that. We may not intend to have bad thoughts, but we're going to do that. But we need to repent when we do. We need to repent and take that to our maker and say, Lord, like this is not what you created. You didn't create the world to be like this. You created it to be something completely different. And um, if we're going to pick a side, that's the side we need to get on. Mm -hmm. I remember I had a, a Bible college teacher and he said a righteous person isn't isn't one who who doesn't sin ever but it's the person who's quick to repent mm. and i've i've every now and then it's the only thing i remember actually that that <laughs> teacher said and every now and then it pops into my head and i think how quick am i to repent mm-hmm. how quick am i on the other hand to defend yeah. my sin yeah. <laughs> to defend well my intentions or or anything else mm-hmm. and yeah to to echo alicia annie your your honesty in that is true cuz what you you talked about most people now think if i consider this then i must be racist if i have this brought to my attention then it's because i'm racist and instead of going no it's simply acknowledging there are differences you know mm-hmm. there are differences in life and um because of the brokenness of sin i could easily fall into believing things or behaving or acting in a certain way wrapping things up here do you guys have a date set um so we have tentative dates set, um, but we, I guess we don't have anything concrete. That's because of um, we are, I am, I have a, basically I need to, um, I figure out an easy way to say it, but basically I need to, I'm waiting on my visa to be able to um, get there and live in the U.S. and everything. And uh, we're trusting, so the meeting is in January, we're trusting that it should go well, um, that um, I'll be able to uh, get approved and then I'll be able to live in the U.S. with Annie. Um, so because we we, we want to be careful because we've we've thought we had some um, some sure times before and the things didn't work out the way we thought it would. Mm-hmm. So we're just hoping we're just waiting for that meeting. Again, we have plans. We've talked to. Uh, venues and things like that. We're prepared, but we don't have the date set yet. And we won't know until mid-January when I have um, the meeting. Well, we'll be praying for that, guys. I know we don't know you guys well, but we love you. We love that you're standing for truth. We love that you have been so faithful in your relationship. And we love that clearly the Lord's doing something through you guys. So we're hoping for that wedding date to hear the news of that in some article or on Twitter. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, you know, um, yeah, we don't know each other uh, that well, but I would love to, to get to know you guys better. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Once you're in the States, let's, we'll, uh, we'll come out we'll to come Ohio. Out. Yeah. We've got a foster daughter out there. Um, she lives with her mom now and our kids always ask, when are we going to go to Ohio and well, see Amy? So we'll go out there. Okay. See, I didn't want to be presumptuous, but I was thinking to myself, Hey, we can add, uh, um, you know, two people to the people that we can invite to the wedding. So if you guys would be willing, well, I didn't want to be presumptuous. You, and everything. you said that's yeah. that date. We love to travel. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's great. That's great. Uh, you guys are sweet. Thank you so much for being here today. It's, it was great as always. Oh, thank you for having us. Look, this has actually been my favorite podcast ever because uh, I'm doing it with not only you guys, but with Annie. And uh, it's it's great. So thank you for. We thought you might like that. <laughs> yes, I am very grateful for that. 